For over 40 years, Ermi has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals. This podcast explores current subjects in the insurance industry. Find out more about our podcast at ermi.com. Hi, I'm Joel Applebaum, the Chief Content Officer for Ermi, and I'm so pleased to have here as our podcast guest today, Elise Farnham, President of Illumin Consulting and top-rated Ermi Agricon presenter. I know all of you might be getting a little bit tired about hearing about pandemics, eh, and so am I. Yet this podcast, you'll learn about risks associated with extended periods of pandemics, which we're facing now, and other pandemics that might be out there too. So welcome, Elise. Thanks for being our guest today and talking about the new normal. Thank you so much, Joel. It's great to be here with you. And this is actually a topic I enjoy talking about. I've uh, done quite a bit of research over the years, and it's sort of nice to know that I was the, a voice in the forest, and now the forest is here. So uh, glad to be with you. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, you are you are one of the top go-to professionals for many companies when it comes to training and consulting. So whether it's claims or ethics topics, which I know you've spoken on the past, uh, risk professionals, they know they can count on you to help enhance their knowledge on key topics, make it easy to understand as well as keep it interesting. I've always enjoyed your sessions at Agricon in the past. Can you talk with us today about how COVID is impacting training and consulting capabilities? I know yes. for yeah, oh. I'd, be, I'd be real happy to. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, you know, my last week of travel in March was actually at Agricon in Sacramento. That was my last week. And I went from Sacramento to Wisconsin to the CPCU Education Day in central Wisconsin. When I landed in Atlanta, which is, of course, where I'm from, I had messages on my phone canceling everything for March. And by Monday of the following week, everything for April and May, every live Every live um, meeting, conference, education day, everything had canceled. And at that point, people didn't really know what we were going to do. As it turned out, everyone had sort of did a 180 and immediately moved from in-person to in-person virtual classroom. And it takes a little coordination. It takes uh, revamping of the education materials because the learning experience is somewhat different. But uh, we've been able to do that and been pretty successful with it, have had very good uh, attendance at those events. Um, Agricon is actually going to be my third convention since uh, March. And while everyone has a slightly different uh, method of operation, they um, have all had really good success and good uh, feedback from the attendees. Of course, in this process, if any of these programs were approved for continuing ed, the states had to now determine what kind of criteria might be necessary for live virtual classroom, which is, of course, different than what we've become used to as online learning, which is really more uh, recorded type of learning. So a lot of my early programs, uh, to be honest, I spent time actually consoling the attendees because they were uh, so stressed. It was, it was just remarkable how that almost immediate change impacted everyone. 
I think probably parents with children were probably the most impacted because they certainly weren't used to working with their children under underfoot, or at least most of them weren't. And then uh, people who lived by themselves, who now all of a sudden couldn't go out or couldn't see someone. So um, it required a lot of patience, I guess, with those people who were less tech savvy. But now everybody's getting pretty good at all this virtual stuff. And um, I'm having less and less issues with people not being able to pull up information. I remember one of my early classes, the uh, one of the attendees, it was a multiple days. It was like four day class. And he was having a terrible time with his audio. And on the third day of the class, it was like perfect. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? He said his seven-year-old son came in to him one that morning and, and offered him his headset from his uh, PlayStation and said, here, Dad, I think this might help you. So <laughs> people have been getting help from every place that they can get it, but they are learning, so it's been good. And, um, I, I, and I think probably the most difficult part of that has been trying to help people understand how pandemics work and what to expect. And those are the things I'm going to be talking about at Agricon uh, for the fall. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, excellent. You know, obviously, you know, everyone's been impacted by this and you, you want to look into the future and say, you know, we handled this right, right? We, you know, and so that's why we converted to our very first virtual Agricon and uh, we're we're grateful in that in starting a new, exciting, a little bit uh, challenging uh, approach to education and and you know learning that we've got experienced folks like you on our team. And uh, I'm looking forward to your session, which is pandemics and you, right? How the insurance professionals respond, and uh, how important to an insurance company or agency would you say it is to respond? properly, especially now, you know, during this extended period of COVID-19? Well, I think probably the most important thing that we as an industry can do, and we as the professionals in, as part of that industry, is to demonstrate to the public that, that they, they can trust us and that we will be there. You know, Homeland Security has identified financial services as one of the critical industries in America, and insurance is part of that uh, group. So no matter what happens, you know, pandemics or other catastrophes, we've been charged by Homeland Security to be there and be ready to help our customers and our insurers, our claimants, everybody. So, um, so it's important for the industry, I, I think, as a, as a matter of trust, to make sure that we actually deliver on that. So I'm looking forward to the program because it does change, you know, have, being living through a pandemic is so much different than uh, my research, which was sort of theoretical, you know, what might happen in a pandemic. And because of that research, I'm, I'm seeing all those things happen. People working from home, having to wear masks, social distancing, uh, washing your hands, um, we've had one lockdown, but there could be another if this continues to worsen. And all of those things were have been predicted. So how do we work in that environment? How do we 
provide extended connectivity to our staff to help to continue processing policies, making payments, making their underwriting decisions, and yet keep all that information secure. So I think it's a real challenging time for the industry. And I'm looking forward to talking to the Agricon attendees about some of those issues that I'm sure they're facing. Yeah. At ermy.com, we put out a whole free page, you know, of, of tons of things related to, you know, COVID-19 and this crisis in terms of how different policies respond, what coverages are are available, because there's been over 800 cases, you know, and, and, and you know, our insurance industry is pretty complicated. Uh, you know, we have policies, but some of the coverages are decided in the courts. And then... We have, you know, 50 plus, you know, states and and regulatory districts to respond to. And each of those have different laws relating to cancellation and and, uh, policy extensions and different things. So I would love it if you could just talk to us a little bit about the importance of the entire insurance organization in terms of their need to be cognizant of the effects of COVID-19 in the various departments within the organization and the regulations legislation or case law in the states they operate in? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, all of us, each one of us has a vested interest, not only in the organization to which we belong, but also to the industry in total. Because if one person fails out there in doing their job, we all fail. So that vested interest is, is what should motivate us to really go the extra mile and do the things that we have to do. You know, we have a duty as insurance professionals to really deliver the promise of our products. And we do that through good service in spite of all of these difficulties. So um, disciplining ourselves to actually do this work while we could be distracted at home or, or um, and, and, you know, just watching the news is distracting enough. Um, is really, really important for everyone throughout the organization. The insurance industry is highly dependent on its human capital. And I have to, I have to sort of give us a, a bit of a pat on the back because we've not yet had any problem with anyone actually paying a claim. They've, every valid claim has been paid. Uh, we've not had issues with uh, litigation and mediation. I myself have been involved in a as an expert witness on a case that was mediated entirely uh, on video, and um, because everybody was distancing and nobody really wanted to be in the same room together, so uh, I think we've been really good as an industry to accept these new business processes that we're facing and are really putting the safety of our people ahead of the uh, of the concept of that's not how we've done it in the past, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so the entire organization um, really has to be focused on what, do, what are our critical things that we have to deliver, and then how do we get that best delivered to the consuming public while still socially distancing masking, keeping everybody safe. Because, you know, we as an industry ought to be taking the lead on that 
in my mind, because we should be the best at risk management ever. And as far as um, you were at, you were you were mentioning about litigation and things, I um, I do some consulting work with private equity groups, and I had consulting requests within a week of the lockdown of March 13th, one, that, that next week, wanting to know were insurance companies actually going to have to pay business interruption and uh, what about civil authority and had some really great discussion with the financial groups about those concepts and what they meant with insurance. And pretty much, you know, we've seen some of these cases already start to be determined and they've been fairly favorable to our stance that that's just not covered. So, um, so unless people actually bought the policy, I, I, you know, that, or if there's really ambiguous language and sort of manuscripted language, then I think we'll be pretty good as far as, as not having to pay what was not intended by the contract. Um, on the other hand, there was really a worry at the beginning, if you'll remember, these state regulators were trying to figure out a way to change the contract. And fortunately, more oh, level-headed folks prevailed um, <laughs> uh, because the implications of that would be, uh, the, you know, the industry would run out of money if it tried to do that. We, we can't make money. Governments can make money, but we can't make money. And then there would have been no money left to pay fire losses, theft losses, any of those other things, auto accidents. There would have just been no money left. So I was really thrilled to, to, to hear that happen. And then finally, I think probably the one case that uh, struck in my mind was Wimbledon. You know, Wimbledon actually purchased coverage for uh, in the event of a pandemic cancellation. And I can I can just imagine the conversations that the board of trustees or the commissioners in charge of Wimbledon must have had paying a two million dollar per year premium for something that they probably didn't really think would ever happen. And yet it did happen and it really helped them a lot financially this year. So, um, so I think we, I think we've done pretty good. I think we, I think we can give ourselves, you know, probably an A plus here because we've been able to continue to handle claims, continue to pay claims, processing policies. Everything has continued to work. Um, um, I guess we as the workers have been sort of like that duck in the water, you know, where it's feet are going 90 miles an hour, but it looks so serene on top of the water, right? <laughs> well, without giving too much away about your Agricon uh, presentation that's coming up September 15th and 16th, tell me a little bit about maybe looking into the future, how pandemics might change the way we evaluate risk, accept risk, and ensure risk, specifically in the agricultural industries? I think we're going to see a lot of changes there. Um, with respect to agriculture, it's I think we'll have issues with respect to delivery of the product. That's going to change, and I'm not sure that's ever going to uh, come back. I think, I think how agricultural products are processed how they're purchased, sold on the markets. I think that's all going to change. And my crystal ball isn't perfect, but I think we need to focus on and watch what people are doing now. There, there's a kind of an indicator that um, we'll be moving to smaller processors as opposed to gigantic ones because of 
spreading the risk seems to be a better option than than capturing the uh, efficiencies of doing everything all in one place, you know. So, um, so I, I think there'll be some significant impact on agriculture. I also think we're that um, it's going to be more appreciated what what farmers and the whole agricultural industry do for America, and. Um, so I think that's going to be something different. And I believe the indus- the agricultural industry is going to use technology even more aggressively than, than they've started to in the past. Um, part of that is, I think, because of COVID-19. Part of it is because of aging of the, of the um, farmers. They're just, they're just getting older. So they don't have the physical ability to do some of the things things that they were able to do in the past just because they're older and there are less people moving into the farming arena. So more automation even of farming activities, I think, will will be something that will be on the future. All this will require really learning new business models, you know, um, uh, not only for farmers, but for all of our agents who are servicing those individuals. You know, it, it's going to change agritainment, for instance. You know, how soon will people actually be able to get together in groups? And so will will this farm that had this beautiful barn built for weddings, now what are they going to do? How are they going to handle that? So so I, I see a lot of changes coming along. Great. Well, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. We're really looking forward to your pandemic presentation and we appreciate you being part of the very first virtual AgriCon, September 15th and 16th. Registration is open at ermi.com. So thanks so much, Elise. And hey, we hope all of you listeners join us um, at, for our first virtual AgriCon. The Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Nag, is our opening speaker, and he will be giving us the inside scoop on all things COVID and agriculture in the Midwest. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Joel. I enjoyed it very much. Hey, thanks for listening. Go to ermy.com for more information and be sure to subscribe there to Ermy Podcast for more talks like this and to be notified when a new episode is released.